Well, hey, Propel Church, Pastor Nick here. I am so excited to be back with you today. Man, last week we had an incredible time opening God's Word with Mike Moore, and this week we are kicking off a few things. We're kicking off a brand new series called Powerful Prayer, and we're kicking off 21 days of prayer as a church. A couple times a year we take some time and we intentionally just hit the reset button. We focus in on God, and we know school is about to start back in whatever way that looks, and we know that the world is a little bit crazy right now. We've got some big things that we're praying for over the next 21 days, like the HVAC to be fixed in this facility and and several other things. We're excited about the possibility of regathering with you. We're turning five in just a couple of weeks. I mean, there's so many exciting things going on, but let me just challenge you. There's never been a more important time for us to focus on prayer as a church. Oftentimes, when things start going uh, at a fast pace, the enemy will distract us from what's really important. And what's really important in this season is you and I having a thriving relationship with God through Jesus Christ. So we're going to take some time and we're going to focus on prayer in this season. And we're going to kick off this series called Powerful Prayers today. If you're watching for the first time, I want to say welcome. My wife and I started Propel Church almost five years ago with the intention of creating a place that you could belong before you believe. We believe that church is not something you go to. It's a community you're a part of. So we would encourage you to take some next steps. One of the best next steps you could do immediately is fill out an online connect card. Let us know you were here today. If you call Propel Church Home, go ahead and hit that share button because we're about to dive right into our first prayer today, which is what I'm calling a prayer of transformation. I think all of us in life want to experience God's transformation power. We want to not be the same person we were. And I know for a lot of you, if you're anything like me, I'm not who I used to be, but I'm also not where I want to be either. And a prayer of transformation allows you and I to continue to grow, continue to develop, continue to step into all that God has for us in our lives. So if you have a Bible, go with me to Psalm 139. We find David who's been experiencing some persecution. He's got some hardships going on in his life, and there's people who are claiming he's not faithful. And this is the prayer that he prays. I want you to check it out. Psalm 139, beginning in verse 23, he says this, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. This is one of those powerful prayers. I want to take a second and pray for us as we get ready to open God's word together. God, we come to you today knowing that in order for us to have a transformation in our life, we first must encounter you. So Lord, as we open your word today, Would you speak truth? Would you speak life so that in you we can find freedom and experience transformation? We love you. We thank you. From the convenience of your couch, will you just shout with me? Amen and amen. So the first thing, if you're taking notes today, here's what I want you to write down. When you pray this search me, O God, prayer, here's what happens. You invite God into the worst parts of you. You invite God into the worst parts of you. 
David in Psalm 139, verse 23, he says, search me, God, and know my heart. One of the best things for you and I to understand today is that God is perfect and he knew that you weren't. Oftentimes when it comes to our relationship with God, we feel like we've got to fake it till we make it or hide the fact that we don't have it all together. But when you and I begin to pray this prayer that says, search me, God, and know my heart, what God's going to discover is something that he already knew, that you weren't perfect, that there are things in your life that don't fully align with him because he's holy and perfect, and there's things in your life that you need to work on. God knows your heart. But you know what? Oftentimes, we don't know our own heart. Look at what Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9 says. The human heart is more deceitful, is the most deceitful of all things, desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? Jeremiah 17, 9. Your heart and my heart are wicked, filthy. Now that's not... Sometimes, you know, we get those coffee mugs. If you shop at TJ Maxx and you'll go to the the coffee mug aisle and you'll see the follow your heart coffee mug. You ain't never seen a Jeremiah 17, 9 coffee mug that says the human heart is the most deceitful of all things, that it's wicked and who really knows how bad it is. But God wants you and I to know some things about our heart. We may not understand how fully gross and grotesque the things in our heart are, but God does. And if you'll pray a prayer that starts with, search me, God, and know my heart, God's going to begin to uncover things that you never knew were there. And that's the power of this prayer, a power, a prayer of transformation. Uh, I am horrible at finding things. So um, I lose things all the time. I lose my wallet. I lose my keys. And you may think to yourself, well, there's one of them, you know, you can get you one of them key fobs. And then all you got to do is hit the little button and then it's going, I'd lose the key fob. And you're like, there's an app. I'd probably lose the app too. I just lose things all the time. But I have an incredible wife. And when I come to Tori and say, hey, babe, I've lost something, she, she asked me this question. Well, did you look here for it? And I'd say, yes. But just because I didn't see it doesn't mean it's not there. She'll go and she'll look in that same spot and she'll end up finding it. Not because I didn't look for it, but sometimes when our own heart, with our own heart and our own mess, we can look for things. But until somebody else comes in and uncovers it, we didn't really know it was there. And I think our heart is the same way. And God, oftentimes, when he comes into our lives and he starts cleaning house, we find things that we never knew were there. For some of us, we struggle with the issue of lying. And if I were to ask you right now, hey, uh, are, would you, have you ever lied before, right? We do this thing where you'd raise your hand on a Sunday morning, and then some of you wouldn't, and I'd be like, now all you got to raise your hand because you're all liars. And, and then we'd all laugh and I miss those times. We'll get back there soon. Some of us struggle with lying. Some of us, um, you know, 
eat too much or maybe we don't struggle with eating. Maybe we're materialistic or maybe we don't think we actually have a problem, but we continue to buy and buy more things. Some of us really struggle with the area of gossip. We just kind of mask it by asking for prayer requests. Come on, you've been in those small groups before where people are just shelling out everybody else's drama and oh, be, be in prayer for Susie now because you know Susie, she been not. Nah. No, you struggle with gossip. Our heart's deceitful. When's the last time you asked God to search your heart, to really uncover the things that are there? Because what God wants to do for you and I is to, for us to experience the most freedom that we possibly can. But in order to do that, he's got to uncover the mess that we've got in our lives. The second thing that takes place is that we invite God to bring your, invite God to bring your fears out of darkness into the light. When you pray the prayer of transformation, you invite God to bring your fears out of darkness and into the light. Let's go back to Psalm 139, verse 23. It says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Have you ever asked yourself or tried to sit down and figure out what makes you anxious? What makes you afraid? What keeps you up at night? Now, we're not talking about the little fears like snakes. And if you know me, I'm terrified of spiders. And, and some of y'all, you think, you think it's funny. You go, oh, we're going to bring a spider and we're going to throw it on Pastor Nick. Look, I'm saved, but I got hands, right? And you might, see, you might not see Jesus come out of me. You throw a spider at me. Some of us are afraid of, of another. I have this fear that somebody's going to try and come kill me while I'm in the shower. But just know I'm, I'm always armed and ready to go. We're not talking about those kind of fears. We're talking about the things like that cause us anxiety. Like, like for some of you who are single right now and you are anxiously feeling like you're never going to get married or there's never going to be a person who will love you. For others of us, you, you're, you're anxious because you feel like you're always going to be stuck in a bad or unhealthy marriage. You're, for others, you're anxious about rejection and failure. Some of us are really struggling with success right now. And when our economy is shifting and changing, the, the metrics of what is success really begin to shift and change as well. For some of you who are business owners, you've got anxiety about what the future looks like because you have employees that you're responsible for and you know that, that they've got to feed their family at the end of the day. What causes you anxiety? What causes you fear? Is it the fear of the unknown? Is it fear of loss? What are those things? Because the truth is what we fear the most often reveals what we trust God the least with. Whatever you fear the most, whatever you're anxious with the most, is, an often, is oftentimes a good indicator of what you trust God with the least. So if your fear is, hey, I don't know what the future is going to look like. I'm always worried about the future and what's going to happen. And the chances are pretty high that you don't trust God with your future. That when you read a passage of scripture like Jeremiah 29, 11, which says that God knows the plans that he has for you and their plans to prosper you and not to harm you. When you look at your future, you go, I don't, I don't know if I believe that. 
And it's a tension that you and I wrestle with. So as David's praying this prayer of transformation, and he's saying, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. What David's goal is, is, is not to just acknowledge his fears, but to take those fears, to take that anxiety that lives in darkness and bring them out into the light. Because when you allow God to bring what's in darkness into light, you can actually experience transformation. Until you take what's in darkness and what's in captivity, the enemy will only keep you in bondage to that which has not been brought into the light. But when things are brought into the light, you experience freedom. You experience truth and grace like never before. Your fears will always entangle you when they stay in darkness, but let God bring them in to the light. For some of us, we're struggling with with a lack of trust in the area of our marriage. We feel like we may lose our marriage. We need to trust God with those things. For some of you, you've had children who have walked away from God or walked away from faith, and you're struggling believing that they're going to come home. Know that God loves your kids way more than you ever could. For some of us, we're struggling with loss right now because of loss of jobs or loss of income or whatever. Know that God is your provider. As you're praying this prayer and God is searching you and he's bringing those fears out of darkness into light, know that those are trusting opportunities. Those are opportunities for you to take a next step to say, hey God, I may not currently trust you with this, but I'm placing it in your hands. Because what God wants you and I, I mean, what scripture teaches us is that perfect love casts out all fear. That God hasn't given us a spirit of fear but of power, love, and a sound mind. As you and I begin to trust him and lean into him, fear subsides and love enters into our life. The third thing that happens is that we invite God to uncover unintentional sin. Invite God to uncover unintentional sin. You may not know this, but you can sin unintentionally. There's a way that, that you and I can navigate our lives. And honestly, if you ever read through Leviticus, you'll, this, is, this was probably my biggest takeaway from reading through Leviticus a few years ago, is that you can sin unintentionally, but once it's brought into the light, you need to repent of it. You need to deal with it. What we want to make sure we do as followers of Jesus is that there's not a pattern of behavior. There's not a sin issue in our life that is offensive to God because in being offensive to God, you know what happens when when someone's offensive to you for a long period of time, there's a distance that's created. Now, God never moves, but we do. And so look at what Psalm 139, 24 says. So David's just prayed, search me, O God, know my heart, test me, know my anxious thoughts. Then verse 24, he says this, see if there is any offensive way in me. When's the last time you took a second and asked God if there was anything in your life that you do that offends him? Because the, when we look at scripture, we find God's truth. We find his grace, his love, his mercy. We see the way God acts and reacts. We see what God calls sin and what he doesn't define as sin. And then we also see the way Jesus treats people, the way he acts and reacts with them. Anytime we deviate from that, it's offensive to God. But sometimes we don't do it intentionally. 
when you pray a prayer of transformation to say, hey, God, is there any offensive way in me? God's able to point out those things in your life that aren't in alignment with him. It reminds me of uh, blind spots. So when we're driving from time to time, uh, you'll be in the car and you'll be, so you're going down 85. It's going to change from two lanes to four lanes because for the last 177 years, they've been doing uh, renovations, right? They've been working on the highway. So some of y'all, I remember growing up, my dad would say, hey, they're going to finally be done with 85 soon. And they're still, they're never going to be done, right? That's just how it works. But as we drive down the highway, you go to change lanes. If you look over your right shoulder, you'll be able to see a little bit. But if you look over your left shoulder, there's an area that is called a, a blind spot. And it's, it's the place where your mirror won't catch uh, a car that's there. So you have to look over your shoulder. What I love about a prayer of transformation that invites God to point out any offensive way is God's going to point out the things that are really close to you that you can't actually see. Blind spots are incredibly dangerous because of the proximity that they have to you. So if you and I have things in our life that we hold close but are actually going to harm us, it's not beneficial for our relationship with God. So what God wants to do is he wants to point those out so that we can find freedom. But don't just invite God to point out blind spots in your life. This is why biblical community is so important. This is why there's great power when you and I get around God's people because God oftentimes will use godly people in your life to point out blind spots. But some of us get so offended by the very people that God brought into our life to help us. So let me just give you a few kind of questions that may help you identify some unintentional sin or some blind spots that you need to address with God. What are others trying to tell you? Probably more than two people. So, so a few months ago, um, I kept hearing this this same theme in conversations when I would sit down with people and we'd go to have a, a talk or a conversation. They'd be like, "Hey, it just I was intimidated to come talk to you." If I hear that once, no big deal. When I heard it six times, there's probably something in the way that I lead or the way that I conduct myself that I need to take before God and, and say, hey, Lord, is there any offensive way in me? What I've learned about my relationship with God is that if you ask God if you're doing something that offends him, he's got no problem telling you. He wants you to know so that you can grow in your relationship with him. So what are others trying to tell you? If you're hearing the same thing from multiple sources, the common denominator is not other people. The issue is you. I hear people all the time that will go from church to church to church and they have the same experience or the same issues in every single environment. Well, if you don't change the way you interact with people, then you're going to experience the same thing. Because most of the problems we experience in our lives are not other people, they're us. We're our biggest issue. So we need to work on whatever those things are. The second thing is what have I rationalized for some time? Maybe there's a, a, a coping mechanism or um, some self-harm. Where are you most defensive? Pride, materialism, lust, 
addiction, gossip, critical spirit. There's so many different areas of our life and issues that we have. But if you find yourself rationalizing sin, know that there's never a good reason for it. Anytime you and I try and justify sin, we're only further delaying our growth and development. God doesn't need you to justify your sin because there's no justification for it other than Jesus paying for your sin. You and I need to own it and move forward in grace and in truth. That's the power of of John 8 when Jesus has an encounter with the woman who was caught in adultery. He's standing there and he he says, hey, you know, uh, where are your accusers? And she says, "They're, they're gone. Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. Now go and sin no more. He leads with grace by not condemning her. But then he tells her truthfully, stop living this way. I think God would say the same thing to you. When it comes to the sin that you rationalize and and that you've just allowed to linger in your life, he, he doesn't want to beat you for it. He wants to give you grace, but then to say, hey, don't live that way anymore. There's a better way to live. We're going to pray for God to, to search us. He's gonna, we're going to invite him into the worst parts of us. We're going to allow him to bring our fears into the light. We're going to allow him to uncover unintentional sin. And then here's the fourth thing. We're going to invite God to lead us. Invite God to lead you. Psalm 139, verse 23 through 24, it says, So see if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. If God is pointing some things out in your life, perhaps it's the way you treat or you talk to people. Perhaps it's the way you look at others who are in a different um, situation than you're in, right? You, you judge them for being in a bad spot. When God points those things out to you, his goal is to lead you down a different path than what you're currently on. His goal is to lead you into a way everlasting. But what we have to do is we have to quit lying to ourselves. We have to quit denying the truth that God is revealing to us because denying truth doesn't change the facts. When you discover what God is revealing to you, what it's really showing is that you desperately need Jesus in that area. And I think it's, it's far overdue for Christians to start acknowledging the fact that we need Jesus in every area of our life. In every situation, in every season, in every moment, I need God in my life. I need God for forgiveness, and I need God's people for healing. There's power when you and I invite God to lead us. A few years ago, I was, uh, Tori and I had just gotten married. We were getting ready to plant the church, and we flew out to Las Vegas for a week to spend some time with Pastor Joe and Danielle Pena at Relentless Church in Las Vegas. And we flew out there. And uh, one of the first, it was like the second day we got there, they were like, hey, let's go on a hike. Because I look like a hike, right? Um, so we we like start to go on this mountain and uh, this canyon and we're walking through what looks like the desert, right? This is one of those movies, you ever seen Sahara, right? Where you thought you were going to die. So we're walking through this thing, and I don't know anything about hiking. I don't know anything about hiking in the desert. All I know is Pastor Joe was a great guide. 
that Pastor Joe had been in this canyon before. He had walked up and down these mountains and he had gone through this over and over and over again. He knew where he was going. He knew where he was leading us. And in that moment, I had to trust that the guide that I had had my best interest at heart. That where he was leading me was not a place of harm, but, but really someplace that I had never been before. It was a place for my benefit. And what you and I know need to know about God is that he's the perfect guide. As you and I allow God to point out the sin and, and do it, his goal is not to point it out for the sake of pointing it out. His goal is to then take us on a journey to a place we've never been before to a new place of transformation. And a lot of us experience transformation at the moment we say yes to Jesus, and, and that's great, but that's not a one-stop shop. That's not the final destination for a follower of Jesus. As you and I continue to allow God to point out sin and to point out offensive things in our life, the goal is that God would then lead us to the way everlasting, to a new place, to a new season, to a new level where we can experience more and more of him. As we pray this prayer of transformation, the worst thing we can do is to have God point out all of those things that he sees in our life and, and to say, hey, I, I, this, I know you've, you've thought this was okay for some time and maybe it was in past seasons, but I'm taking you to a new place and where I'm taking you, that can't go with you. For us to then look at God and say, no, there's no way. I don't trust you enough to follow you. As followers of Jesus, we have to trust that where God is leading us is the best place. It may even look like the wilderness for a season. Have you ever looked at Jesus' baptism? I don't have a ton of time to talk to you, but I'm going to talk to you real quick about this. So Jesus gets baptized. It's beautiful. He goes into the water. He has this dialogue with John the Baptist because John the Baptist is like, you should be the one baptizing me. And Jesus is like, I want you to baptize me. I taught on that a while back. It's a great message. You should go listen to it. They do that. Jesus goes under the water. The skies part. The voice from heaven comes and says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased, right? God spoke affirmation over Jesus. Jesus gets out of the waters of baptism and then scripture says that he was led by the spirit into the wilderness. Oftentimes when we think of a wilderness season, we think that, oh, it's the enemy's fault that we ended up there. What do you do when the spirit leads you into a season of wilderness? Because that's what it did for Jesus. And it was in that season of wilderness where, yeah, Jesus was tested and he went through some struggles and trials. He was tempted. But at the end of it, he walked out of it and he goes, the first thing he does is he walks into the temple and he preaches that the spirit of Lord is, is upon me, that he's anointed me to preach good news, that the blind will see and that captives will be released. That's power. But it only came from him following the leading and the prompting of God. Where God wants to take you is way better than any place you could ever imagine. Let's read our verse one more time together today. Psalm 139, verse 23 through 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. That is the prayer of transformation. 
If you're taking notes, I've got one last thing for you today. It's this. Transformation only takes place when I stop pretending I have it all together. We do a really good job in our world of faking it. We do a good job of putting on a smile every morning and just mustering through our day like everything's okay. While internally, we've got issues. And what God sees is not the outward appearance, but he sees our heart. And what God wants to change is not our outward appearance first. He wants to change us from the inside out. And you can experience that transformation. But it starts with you acknowledging the fact that you don't have it all together. And by coming to God and saying, search me, God. Reveal every part. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in you, in me and lead me into your way everlasting. That's the prayer of transformation. Let me pray for you today. God, for those of us who are watching this right now, wherever we're at, we know that there's a level of transformation that we have yet to experience, but today we want it. So Lord, would you open our hearts to pray that prayer, to search us, to see our hearts and know our anxious thoughts. God, if there's any offensive way in us, would we repent of it and move forward? And for others of you that are watching this today, you need to know that the greatest offense to God is sin. And if Jesus Christ is not your Lord and Savior, then the offense of sin is still held over your life. But when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, God removes that offense because he placed that on Jesus on the cross. And by accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior, your sin is covered. You can be in right standing and have a relationship with God that will transform you forever because transformation without Jesus is temporary at best. But if you want to experience some everlasting transformation today, would you say this prayer with me? Dear Jesus, today I give you my life. I place my hope and trust in you. Thank you for dying in my place so that I could have new life. In Jesus' name, amen.